0: I'm like, whoa! Oh, this is my brother and my sister. My brother's coming from Norway. It's awesome. The whole family came, matching <laughs> t-shirts.
1: We put in the work to get qualified, and then everybody put in the work in training leading up to that. So just being there was more of a celebration.
2: I just remember it the night before the marathon, the competition between us <laughs> was insane. <laughs>
3: Hello and welcome to the Race Mob Podcast. This is episode number 12. I'm Kevin, entrepreneur, technology and fitness nerd, and the founder of Race Mob. I'm joined by Master Motivator, founder of Two Legit Fitness, co chair of the Taji 100, RRCA certified coach, USA track and field certified official, the incomparable Bertrand Newsom. We are excited to welcome the Avalos siblings to the podcast. Ray, Anthony, and Bree are some of the fastest and most accomplished runners you will find. Ray and Anthony have marathon times in the 240s, and Bree has a marathon PR of 301. For these siblings, long distance running was something that they found after becoming adults, but it was their athletic background, hard work, and determination that allowed them to really excel at the sport. The three siblings not only qualified for Boston, but they were able to run Boston together, And they share stories from the event as well as all of the training leading up to qualifying and competing against each other if you're looking to increase your marathon times and possibly qualify for boston stick around to the end of the conversation all three siblings give great tips for runners from beginners to advanced we had so much fun recording this conversation this episode is brought to you by race mob an inclusive community for fitness enthusiasts whether you're brand new to fitness or you're a veteran athlete, we all need support, motivation, and accountability. Our new community site launches on September 14th, where we'll host online meetups, challenges, giveaways, and live sessions with Coach B, myself, and some of your favorite podcast guests. We'll also be launching online training. Start with a group program like our Couch to 5K or create your own custom program that suits your needs. Head over to racemob.com training enter your fitness goals, and schedule your free one-on-one coaching assessment with Coach B. But you have to hurry. We've only got a few limited spots available for this kickoff. All of the show notes can be found online at racemob.com podcast. And without further ado, here's our conversation.
4: Here we are at the uh, Race Mob podcast featuring the Avalos siblings, Ray, Bree, and Anthony. We're very fortunate to share this wonderful story as these three dynamic siblings all qualified for the Boston Marathon and participated. That story is unique. Their individual journeys are unique. And with that, we'll go ahead and open up the floor. Thank you all. Welcome. And we have Ray coming in from San Jose, California. Bree coming in from Washington, D.C., and Anthony, all the way from Norway. Look at that! That's how we're rolling here on the Race Mob podcast. And that International, one, that's right.
0: Yes. <laughs> Thanks. We're happy to be here. This is this is awesome. Can't wait for it.
3: Tell us about your childhood, Ray. Why don't you kick it off since you're the oldest of the group? Tell us about growing up, where you guys grew up, and what home was like.
0: Perfect. Well, yeah, we're uh, we're from San Jose, California. Pretty much yeah. born and raised. My parents had me pretty young. At 19 years old, I was a first-born child and few years later, my brother came uh, almost four years later and then Brie 10 years after me. So it's been fun. It's been a fun dynamic. We just grew together and, you know, a lot of learning curves along the way, a lot of fights, a lot of cheers, a lot of a lot of good times. So, yeah, a lot, a lot to peel back behind.
3: And were sports always part of your childhood? Did you guys grow up as an athletic
0: family or? We kind of grew up a soccer family. Our dad was a coach, so You know, we grew up kind of in that soccer background and it's always stayed with us, but we've always been pretty active when it comes to, you know, going on hikes with families at Elm Rock Park and, you know, different things like that. It's always just been in our blood. From a running aspect, we kind of just picked it up as it came along and just realized, you know, we had the lungs and quite honestly, the passion for it. So pretty cool stuff.
4: Were there any other runners in the family, aunts, uncles, parents?
0: Yeah. So actually my dad uh, used to run, he, he did some 10 K's and then some of my extended family, I have my uncles and aunts that are runners as well. So like, you know, my uncle, Mike and my aunt Charlene, uh, they're pretty active themselves. Um, and even my, my aunt Charlene and my aunt Michelle, they were good basketball players from Independence High School. So they're really good basketball. And I've never seen my grandma run, but I hear that she was like the fastest girl in her neighborhood <laughs> so,
1: uh, and, and you got to yeah. give a shout out to big mama cindy she's getting after it so she's uh <laughs> yeah, she came
5: she's a little got, some, her, she's got but... some
1: good stuff in the tank there so we got oh give, for sure yeah chances. who's big
3: mama <laughs> hey, who's big mama uh, <laughs> tell us
1: that's our. our that's yeah cindy <laughs> she's the hustler so she's the basis of all our grit and everything that we have overcoming and it's directly related to sport and Long distance running, there's these peaks and valleys, and I think that our mom really gave us that grit to keep it going when it comes to those valleys.
3: Well, <laughs> why style. would you say that? What's the what's the story there? No, it's just hard work.
1: Obstacles came growing up, and what you call an obstacle could be something that's very simple, and it's easy as a child to whine and want to take the easy way out. No sob story or anything. It was how do you overcome this, and what what do you do to move to the next phase or how, or it's always alert, like she would sometimes when we're going through some stuff, she would be smiling and laughing. This is such a great learning experience for you. Yeah, so, so I think that's all over the place with, with our mother, yeah.
2: I just remember a lot of times, every single time you're going through like a big valley where in that moment you think it's a big valley, she'll, like what Anthony said, she'll like smile and she'll be like, wait, really quick. And I'll, I'll be like mid tears and she'll just be like, take a second, really take in this moment you're living right now. <laughs> and so it's like really experiencing, even if something's like super hard, it's just, it's all a part of life and really taking it in and overcoming it.
3: Do you have a moment or an example? Is there anything like in your brain that that was a tough moment? Every breakup? Mm. <laughs> you guys are a good looking bunch. I don't yeah. think you had many of
4: those growing I'm up. I'm not huh? going to ask how many breakups. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to ask how many. We'll just take it as br- breakups. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you guys truly, I mean, Cynthia is an absolute superhero, active member of the Two Legit Fitness, but just her energy, positivity. I remember vividly when she completed her very first half marathon, her very first marathon, her very first 50K. Um, And this is all within the last couple of years and inspired in many cases by the three of you. So talk about a super family. And, you know, your father, very active as well. Clearly the love of soccer. There's so many wonderful stories that have come through that. Very accomplished. And we'll get into those stories in greater detail, but just a very gifted and special family, so hats off to your parents, mom and dad.
3: Anthony, tell us what was it like growing up with Ray as an older brother. What was it like growing up with three younger sister? What was childhood like? And what what were parents like? I guess when you were a kid.
1: Thinking about, I mean, I was in love with soccer from when I could kick a ball. I remember, I can remember a little bit from pictures, but I played for a team called the Sharks. I think I was about just turned four. I was number three, maroon jersey, so. I fell in love with soccer from an early age, and that was kind of what I did and where I put my energy towards. And then I looked up to my older brother, who was also playing soccer, so I was always trying to follow them. Whether it be on the soccer field or him and his friends riding uh, skateboards around, I was always trying to follow up and keep up and be kind of that younger guy. I was always, of course, younger. I played soccer growing up on an older team as well, so I always had a chip on my shoulder. And I think that came a lot from Ray and looking up to Ray and pushing myself to be to that level. And then when I grew up playing soccer, I played with older kids and I we had this chip. So that's kind of been what translated into my playing soccer and then also into running as well. It's a chip, but it's a good chip. So I just it's, it's what keeps me kind of moving. It's this inner battle. And then my sister, when she came along, she was really good at, at like, soccer when she when she wanted to do it she was really good at running extremely athletic but she was very heavily into dance so i didn't really feel that competition from her because there is kind of an inner dynamic competition between the three of us now but then when she got into running right from dance she was kicking ass and then you would see her like oh wow this girl can get it and then she started running and then the thing with brie is that even if me and my brother were men and the traditional Perspective is that we're supposed to run faster. She is not setting herself at the level of a female. She is setting herself at the level of her brothers. and she scares me a little bit sometimes. She tells me that she's <laughs> going to beat me, and these
5: kind of things. <laughs> and she and,
1: probably
0: will one time.
1: She's going yeah, yeah. she to beat us plenty. So all in all, it was just a healthy competition between us. We grew up in a sports family, and I think. It was like a, a mix of competition and looking up to each other and, and being each other's fans. I think we're all each other's biggest fans, so this is a, this is a big part of what keeps us going. We're sharing da- on the daily, whether it's a song to pump you up before a match or a song to run to. Ray is always recommending running playlists that we need to trail adventures or whatever it may be. So we're, we're always keeping each other motivated and, and competing with each other on the back of our heads as well. <laughs>
3: What what do you think your parents did to raise an athletic group of kids? Do you think that they did anything special or anything that you can point to or think? I
0: I think uh, just leading by example, pretty much. It's just kind of what we saw, what we grew up in. As I mentioned, like if we were going to Elm Rock Park or even camping, just that outdoor environment and just the hard work at the same time. Looking back on it at times, we used to really you know, resent mom and dad a little bit during those tough times. But looking back on it now, I wouldn't have changed it at anything about it just because it kind of made us more hungry for the things that we want in life and, and even just yeah. work and being competitive within our own minds, like my brother was saying. so
2: I'll take it even like a layer deeper. Both our parents grew up in like not that good of a neighborhood. My dad actually, or our dad came here when he was young from Mexico. And so they had this like grit in them. To get out of the situation they grew up in. And I think you had two people who both had this drive to have a better life for themselves. And then when they started finding success in their careers and we started you know, becoming a more financially well off family, they still held those values of grit and you have to work for everything that you get. And I even remember, like, I think since I'm the youngest, too, I, I was like at the end of all, all this progression of like the family. And I even still I had to work for every single dime my mom ever gave me. And like, always like, right, like, right in towards the end of high school, I had to get a job and like stuff like that. So it was always something where it's like, you have to work for what you what you're given type of mentality.
3: Fantastic role models, for sure. Brie, tell us a little bit about the dance that you were doing your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: So I'm the youngest by a long shot. Me and Anthony are six years apart. And then me and Ray are 10 years, almost like exactly 10 years. We were both born in the same month, just 10 years difference. Right away, they try to put me in soccer from an early age. And I was like picking daisies on the soccer field. I don't know why. And I just like wasn't passionate about soccer. And I was like, almost like against the grain because everybody was playing soccer in my family. I wanted to do something like different. And so I was like, I want to dance. But then of course, it's like, I don't know if it was me pushing for it or my mom, but like, there was still that competitive aspect. Like I couldn't just dance. I had to be on the competition team and like, and dance competitively. So I danced competitively, like my whole life. From there, I was kind of like living a different world from Anthony and Ray. A lot of my childhood growing up, there was no super connection. I just remember I always wanted to hang out with them. And I like, they built a half pipe in the garage one time and I like kept trying to like pretend to skateboard just to like hang out with them and it never really worked out so I was always trying to like be cool with them but I wasn't cool enough because I was the annoying little sister and then for my running journey kind of happened this happy accident I was in high school and my friend was like hey I'm going out for the track team for p credits and I was like okay like I'll just go whatever like I was kind of in this like yes mode in the moment so I was like yeah I'll just go And I ended up absolutely loving track. I remember I ran because I had no stamina. So my first distance was the 400. And I just remember like, That's kind of how running happened. Then it was cool because running was something at that point, Ray already was running, already ran track a little bit in college and like people were starting to get into running in the family. So then from there, I had this like instant connection with Ray and Ray would like teach, like do trainings with me when I was younger to like get me even better, like past where I was, what they're teaching me at, at, like in high school. And so then it started becoming fun. Then I had something that I really, really connected with my brothers with. That was really cool too.
4: Brie, what was your, your preferred distance or distances in high school?
2: Yeah. So I did the 400 and then I got like decent at the 400. And then I don't, I think the 800 was just, somebody put me in the 800 one time. And then I also loved the fact that people would say it was the hardest race because the 800 apparent, like in the track world, it's like, oh, the 800 is like the longest sprint ever. And so for me, like that was something where it's like, oh my God, I'm going to get so good at this distance. So like, I just fell in love with that distance. And that was, yeah, it was just so fun. Like first lap, stay with the pack. Second lap, you're just sprinting it out. It is just the best. And then from there, it transitioned into college for a bit as well. And then after college is when I got into running because my brothers were into it. <laughs> or I'm sorry, marathon.
3: <laughs> Ray, what, what kind of training were you running her through?
0: Or what kind of drills were you?
2: <laughs> uh, it was probably Kills. just... Hills.
0: hills, yeah, hills, <laughs> hill, hills. I think we got hills. But my dad always used to make us throw up on hills. So I think, ah. uh, <laughs> secret to your success. I I Those always, always stay in our blood. But no, but I mean, just little stuff that I learned. Whether it be from we, I had a really good coach in high school. His name was uh, Coach Flores, and then even my college coach at San Jose State. Just a little like interval type workouts, just kind of introducing her that type of stuff. So nothing too crazy. <laughs>
1: That doesn't sound crazy, but we grew up with my dad taking us. We thought we were going to the beach, but we ended up somewhere called Pajaro Dunes uh, outside of Watsonville, Watsonville.
4: and we
0: were getting after it on those
1: uh, on those hills, the sand hills. You
0: that's that's some real stuff. I actually still run those hills every now and then. It's good stuff.
3: Is that what growing up was like? It was. Like some weekends, he'd he'd take you over and there'd be competition between the three of you guys? Or
1: Yeah, you could say that. My dad was also my my soccer coach from when I was probably around six or seven. He started taking over as my soccer coach. And then he was my soccer coach until I was
4: 15. He had a project. (laughs) 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 And he was successful, huh? Let's see. Live Oak High School? Yeah, Live Oak High School. Hall of Fame, Fame, yeah. Actually, that just happened a few years back. Yeah, Hall of Fame. Congratulations. Highlight of
2: the local newspaper, the the (laughs)
4: local Morgan Hill Times. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) And from there, you went to?
1: Yeah, I went to Berkeley. I played there for yeah four years. So and then in Norway, why I'm why I'm here? Of course, my wife. Three-time
0: Pac-10 champ.
1: (laughs) Three-time Pac-10 champ. So we were we were top. 10 in the nation, real strong team, played with a lot of professional players that are still playing MLS or in Europe, all my years, never. One of the things that, that irks me the most is, I'm sorry if anybody's playing on the Cal Bear soccer team, but I never once lost to the local rival, Stanford or, um, or Santa Clara. <laughs> and then the other rival was the Huskies, Washington Huskies, never once lost to them. And now we're dropping to them all, all the time. So step it up boys, I had my go, followed the dream a little bit, Th- was thinking I wasn't gonna play beyond college, and then I had a little light of inspiration. I went to Norway. I got a trial, got on a second division team there. My first year, we won the, we won the league and we went up to the first division. So that was a, another championship on the belt. And then I played for four years and then it was a good time. And then I started putting more time in my career. And then, and then that's when my running came in. So my running career is quite short. It's most of my career has been soccer and following Ray and Bree and running and knowing that if I really wanted to get after it you guys better see me but then (laughs) 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 so my running career is quite short but after I was playing soccer I really fell in love with running and it gave me that kind of outlet and that competitive place where I can use my energy and instead of this team competition I was now competing with myself and then that gave me a whole different inspiration and I love running the feeling of finishing the race was the best feeling that I've, like, i have like, I don't think I've ever experienced that feeling of finishing a race. And then I got really hungry to really dive in. And, and then that was the whole spark of my, my running career.
5: Well,
3: let's get into it. Let's, let's talk yeah. about running. Who was the first to start the kind of the longer distance running? And was that you, Ray? Were, yeah. were you the first one and kind of yeah, inspired Ray. people? <laughs> and I know that you were kind of out of sports for a little bit and and so give us the whole
0: story about yeah, getting yeah. back into it so you know similar i won't go in the, as the long-winded but i was a decent soccer player Not, I'll, I'll mention we won ccs my senior year uh ah, yeah. high school. so i was <laughs> but um my my junior year i had some buddies on the track team and they said hey come out come out for track and i was like oh just to stay in shape for soccer and then i went out and kind of like brief story I, I really enjoyed it so I'm stuck with that. Um, and you know, was able to make CCS um, my first go around in cr- uh, cross country and track. Um, and then you know, was able to have an opportunity to run with San Jose State, so I did that. And then after college, you know, you're young and 20 and you don't know 20 something, you don't know what you're doing, trying to figure out life. And I just kind of got away from running for, it was almost seven years. And um, I was introduced to Bertrand through uh, my in-laws and just mutual neighborhood friends. And he invited me to the Oakland Marathon Relay, Oakland Running Festival is actually my favorite event. Aside from Boston, it's one of the best running events I've ever been to. I just want to put a stamp on that. This was 2012, and right after that race, I was just really into running again. I was like, this feeling, this is a good feeling that that I want to feel. So. Just continued with it, started running more races, getting more involved, especially with Two Legit, finding inspiration there. And Coach B, of course, with always his inspirational leadership, kind of just leading the way there. So yeah, just kind of followed that journey and, and then got the bug and, you know, ran my first marathon in, when was it, 2015, I think I ran my first marathon.
3: Tell us about that first race. What was the distance at the relay, and what kind of shape were you in? And how did you get into shape
0: to Uh, run it? I never really sat on my butt that during that seven-year span. I mean, I would I would do three miles here, maybe pick up soccer game here, maybe a gym workout here and there. So I picked it up. I mean, I could definitely finish it. I probably ran seven, seven, some odd minute pace or maybe a five, five mile leg. And it it felt, and it felt good. So I knew I had it. I had that mindset where if I could train a little bit more, I could really do this. And then that's where it just kind of, you know, the snowball effect. And I just got the bug from there.
4: From a friend perspective, from a coaching perspective, and getting a chance to watch someone to raise just character above and beyond talent, but that talent to be rekindled I was there at your very first half marathon in San Francisco. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That week. Yeah, yeah, I remember you said, you know what, coach? I think I want to run for my first half marathon in San Francisco, San Francisco, mm-hmm. i.e. Hills, yeah. mm-hmm. I want to run sub 130, all right, and you <laughs> ran like, what, one, 129 and change? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, and we we had a good time the night before. Yeah, that was right? a fun right? one. A yeah. couple yeah. <laughs> tequila shots? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
5: <laughs> Maybe three.
4: Shout out to our partner in crime, uh, <laughs> Becky Hernandez, who was yeah. there as well, so uh, we won't go into that story other than it was a good time in Ray crushed his first half marathon. So oh, continue on. From
0: there, did that, got that, bug, found out I could really get going again. And too legit gave me a lot of opportunities to progress. And, and as I progressed, I got to a point where I was like, I was getting faster. Um, and then I hooked up with a local running club called Wolfpack. And then that's where I really started to take some even more chunks off. Right now, my PR is one and a half. I'm a 248 marathoner. Wow. I think I still have a window to get under that. Um, I'm kind of, um, I have a beautiful family. Uh, so I have a wife and, you know, and two kids. So I have a five-year-old. She just started kindergarten. That's, that's, that's another story that's distance learning. <laughs> so the kindergarten, uh, and then I have a 10 month old, so I'm still getting out when I can right now to run. I mean, you know, but my window is small. So my long runs right now are six miles. I can't really get out for those, you know, 10, uh, even 20 milers that I have been. So they'll still be there. I think uh, in the next few months here, I'll be able to, you know, shift gears back and get hungry again.
3: You said you knocked off big chunks of time when you joined Wolfpack. What were some of the things that you think contributed to you knocking time off of? Uh,
0: one thing, uh, their workouts are, are really good. So that they're based towards different events. So, of course, you're definitely basing it towards your marathons or halves. The Pacific Association, which is it's a, a league within the U, USA Track Association. So they're gearing towards those races, and they have really tough workouts and if you follow the schedule which during my training cycles i would follow them and you know you're running with you know there's different groups so you know let's call it three or four groups that out there and you find your group and you're really pushing each other so i think detailed workouts that are that really have an end goal but then at the same time you're, you're running with other people that are pushing as well so
3: what would a like week of training look like when you're really pushing it
0: I believe in the, the tempo run, so one tempo run a week, um, which that is like an uncomfortably hard pace. Think of it as almost slightly less than a race pace, and then um, an interval workout, and then a long run, and then two decent runs within that. So five solid workouts, and you could definitely throw in a six-day there but, you know, definitely three key workouts um, is kind of the bread and butter that I would, that yeah. I would kind of go
1: after. Add on that, because Ray's always been pretty methodical about his training and then also on Strava and he has his methods. And then I, when I'm getting into running, I got extremely serious about it. Bree got stressed because I was overly serious. I got,
2: I, I, but, I, I had to delete my Strava account. Yeah. I couldn't do it anymore.
1: They were, but that's all we were talking about is how we're running, <laughs> what we're doing. And it was just like, method battle on and then and then when Boston came around then where we're gonna race for the then we were hiding our cards it was like a poker match on so I was like <laughs> waiting for him to post his run before I post my run <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyways my thinking in terms of running is this I read a lot and heard a lot of podcasts about the eighty twenty running style about running slow so that when you have your whether it be interval training or tempo runs you do have that extra gear to go into that red level and expand your capacity i started doing that not during boston but after boston the hell hill got got me in the in the in the hammies heartbreak but. hill yeah heartbreak hill yeah 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 heartbreak hill but i started doing it and it, it's this weird like slow down pace because you always like the natural thing when you go out on a run you're normally running at this mid-tempo and you're getting out there and you're kind of falling into this mid-tempo. It's like a natural thing. But if you just slow down a level where it feels awkwardly slow and then just fill that out and be able to do that for miles on end and you feel like you can run forever and then that becomes your resting heart rate. And then that is your kind of your 80% of your runs. That is your, your resting while you're running. Say you had a hard tempo the day before, The next day, just chill out for a few days and just take it easy, but extend your distance. And then when it comes time for that next uh, tempo run or interval run, you're going to have that extra gear to push yourself to the next level. So you're actually gaining more by saving your body on those longer runs. That mid zone, from what I've read and many people who are running know about this, but you're not getting any extra benefits in the mid zone than you are than when you're running slow because they're still accomplishing the same thing, but you're just putting more strain on your body.
3: I think Bertrand just talked about the 80-20 rule to me not too long ago. We just had Matt Fitzgerald on the podcast uh, not too long ago as well. It's really cool to see people that are advanced runners or who we would consider really fantastic runners, really experimenting with the 80-20 rule and having good success from it. So you said that you started doing it after Boston. Have the other, have Ray, Bree, have you guys experimented with 80-20 rule? Tried it out at all?
0: Uh, not through a, a cycle, but I, I have found myself running slower lately. So. <laughs> 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 uh, but, uh. Oh, but actually I, I've talked to my brother and that's definitely something I, I definitely want to give it a go.
2: Yeah, that's what... I think I'm the least methodical out of the three of us. I actually didn't enjoy running in college as much as I wanted to. I think when I found running is at this point where I needed it to be like a way to feel almost like powerful. Like I needed that in my life. I needed a way to feel like I was in control of my life. And so for me, running has always been like my outlet. Like it's something that I just really very much like, it's not about even the finish line. It's about like just being in every single mile. So when it comes to training, these two talking about training for Boston, the first race we did together, it was so stressful because they would be like, no, 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 every single conversation, I would just want to see how my brother and his his wife are doing. And he would try and tell me about what I'm doing wrong about my running. So
0: say wrong, come on now,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but always feedback, always like, Hey, you should do this. You should do. And it was cool because like, we were like competing and also like trying to make each other better, which was awesome. Like it was so cool. But for me, it was just like the biggest training that I would do is just like really high mileage and a lot of trail running. Like a lot of, like, I would go to, I'm trying to think like Quicksilver is a perfect in San Jose where I would do like, I would challenge myself to find the biggest hills, around me. And those would be like my training courses. And those would be like my long runs is making sure that I'm putting in like an 18 mile run. Um, and just spending the whole day like in Hills doing it.
1: One thing I admire about Brie, her consistency with running. And I do think that comes from like an underlying love where I can't speak for Ray, but for myself, I always have to be training for something where Brie is kind of has this natural love for running that she just does it and she's ready to go. If you put a race up next month, she's going to smash where I need a little bit more time to to plan it out. So I think that's one thing I do admire about Bree is the sustainability in her running. No matter if it's a race coming up or, or not, or it's this uh, situation where now Bree's out there getting after
5: it.
2: The best shape I've ever gotten, though, is when, like, as far as, like, marathon shape, is when I was staying at Anthony's house in Norway for a couple months, and we were in that, what is the training Oh, VDAR.
0: Yeah, VDAR.
1: yeah, we VDAR. were, we, oh, we, ended up, we ended up, so my <laughs> wife works with the ex, like, Olympian triathlete. We ended up at, like, the National Olympic Running Group, which is one of the main clubs. Wow. It's, it's called VDAR. And we were training. We were not in like serious running shape. We were serious, but they're really serious people. And they were like running. These workouts were crazy. And we got in this group. They loved us because we were from the US. It was winter time, cold, but we were out there every day just getting after these crazy workouts. Tempo runs. You would have like mile repeats on mile repeats. And everybody's really good. So we were going in there thinking, oh, it's just a running club. We're going to be pushing it. And then we try to push ourselves, but we're not in that elite pack. We're maybe just (laughs) watching them from behind. But we're on their mailing list. And I still, to this day, use their workouts because I get every week the coach sends workouts. So then I take the workouts and then I just... I don't add the whole thing in, but I add pieces in into my schedule. And it's basically the chill runs and then two interval trainings per week and one tempo run per week and then one long run. And then the other runs are
4: just mid-distance slower runs. And Ray, I think I had interrupted you when you were going to reference your very first marathon, that experience. Because it's ironic, that first marathon was a podcast that we just launched uh, in the last 24 hours.
0: Yeah, and actually just let me see what year that was. Was it 2015? It may have been sooner, but I think it, I forget what year it was. It
4: was was, 14. 14,
0: Yeah. I thought I got the date wrong there, but yeah, first marathon. I'm the type of person where I just kind of dive into, I'm like a trial and error guy. (laughs) Um, I think that's the same for my brother and sister. We just, you know, we'll just go all in and, and we'll learn about it later. And, you know, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to, but you just got to go try. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try my first marathon. I think I was training. My peak mileage was like, I had a couple 30 mile weeks, but most of them were like 20 something milers. And it was a, uh, I was training for uh, the Big Sur Marathon. So I, I got to the Big Sur mar- Marathon. I went out like a speeding bullet, man. <laughs> at the time I wasn't in that great a shape yet. So I, I went out and 615 was moving for me at that time. Ooh. And, mm-hmm. and, I went out for the first six miles, and I did that, and I tapered down maybe 6.45. I was still at a good pace, and then you hit that big hill, and yeah, I struggled to finish. I started cramping at pretty early. <laughs> so I, hit, I hit that 16 miles, and I sort of started cramping, and I just almost crawled to the finish, but, but I finished. So I finished my first marathon in 3.12, and my goal was I wanted to try to qualify for Boston my first go-around. Wow. Day. At Big Sur, Big I didn't know. I
5: didn't oh, know. what I was getting
0: into. But I, yeah, I, I, remember I something. Yeah. I will say that that is a beautiful course, and there was a lot of breathtaking moments there. Where you know, once you hit a wall, sometimes you're just accepting of how beautiful everything is, how beautiful the struggle is, how beautiful the surroundings are, how beautiful the things that you see around you are. So, I think it's important to just really you know, hit the wall and just whether, you know, it's trying to qualify for Boston or trying to complete your first 5k, it doesn't matter. Just kind of dive in and find your wall for that time being. And just keep trying to push that wall if if that's your goal. And I think that's just kind of my mindset and, you know, to stay optimistic and persevere and just kind of dive in.
3: Well, I mean, a 312 marathon after cramping a mile 16. I mean, some of us would kill for a 312 marathon. So kudos to you Absolutely. crawling into the finish line. That is, uh, yeah. that is not crawling into the finish line. That's, that's for sure. Are you enjoying the show? Help us out by sharing the podcast. You can win some cool prizes like headbands, wristbands, training programs, shout outs, and more especially if you're part of an existing running group, online community, or have friends that you think will enjoy the show. Get your personal referral link at racemob.com referral. So talk to us about Boston, qualifying for Boston, because all three of you have, and so, and we've gotten kind of nuggets of it, you know, tell us what was that journey? Who was the first to qualify for Boston? How did you bring the others along? What, what did that look like?
0: So after Big Sur, I knew I wanted to get, so I found out the best place to go qualify for Boston is the uh, renowned CIM. So I uh, <laughs> went to CIM uh, 2015. Yeah. And I ran a 256, I think wow. was my qualifying wow. time. Wow. So yeah, I ran a 256, um, made it. it. It was awesome. So I wish I would have had a a story for CIM that was really memorable. I mean, it's memorable being around too legit and how, how big the the event is the awesome event, but I don't have any cramping stories. I mean, I ran a really just smart race. So I was able to get across the finish line and then I got to Boston. So Boston, uh, that was an incredible experience. Uh, they call it like the graduation of marathoning. I think, uh, all our buddy, Oliver Boston described that to me was a, uh, it's the graduation of marathoning, which it is everywhere from, you know, getting into athlete village to everything leading up, picking up your bib to just being in the race itself. I mean, you're thousands of people. What is there about 30,000 people, but then the streets are just lined with people for the entire race and every town has its own story. So it's, you really feel like you're going through different chapters of the race, which is just really incredible. But I will tell probably one of my most memorable stories was from my first Boston. So I was crossing the final mile. I was on a good pace. I was probably on a, I'd say that 245 to to high 240s range. I crossed the last mile marker. There's a famous overpass that says Boston Strong on it. Came under that overpass and there's a slight incline. So I kind of pushed it up that incline. And right as I came out, both legs locked up and... (laughs) I could not move. I could not move. And I was, and mentally, I was having like a decent race, a few pinches here and there, but mentally, I was having a good race. And I locked up and I went to the ground and I could not get up. And I was trying to, you know, stretch out. Nothing was working. Nothing was working. And a guy came by me, which later I found his, his name is Walter Tacano from Peru. He grabbed me by the hand and he said, and he looked at me in the eye and he said, keep going. That's all he said. And for some reason, that energy just jolted me right up and and in my mind my mind just said start stomping your feet so I stomped my feet as hard as I could and both of my legs just instantly loosened up and I was able to finish the last and finish the race pretty strong as well I have a video of uh, coming down Boylston and I was able to finish it at a decent pace so I'd never give up is the story of of that I have a picture of that just a grimace on my face right before I'm about to to lock up it's pretty funny but yeah it's cool
3: any theories on how thinking can like overcome cramping? Any thoughts on how that is? Or
0: I mean, the mind is super powerful. Yeah. So I mean, if you think you're going to cramp, you're going to cramp. Because every time that I've cramped up, I've thought about it a few minutes before, or a few seconds before I've cramped. So, I mean, if you think you're going to lose, you're going to lose. I mean, it's okay to be down, but definitely the mind's a powerful thing. And just try to do things to overcome it. I don't know why I decided to stomp my feet, but... You know, there's ways to get out of a situation.
3: How soon after the, the
0: Boston bombings was that? Uh, you know? two, two years. I believe the Boston bombings were 2013.
1: We had yes. uh, our uncle, Mike, who's also a crazy uh, athlete, <laughs> distance man, uh, everything. Sword fisherman, be, the the mountain the, biker, the Oakland the mountain world, biker. Uh, yeah. He ran Boston the, the year of the bombing. So he has a memory and a story from that. But we were there too. Yeah, was it two years after?
2: Yeah, but you qualified after Ray, right? Or like Ray ran it one year. I ran Ray- at
0: sixteen, and then you guys yeah. ran at seventeen for the first time.
2: Yeah, and sure. then and then Aunt, I was still in college, and I think you were training to qualify.
0: Yeah, then
1: I qualified. So so then that was around the time when I was just kind of tearing off my soccer area, getting into new things, and then I ran a half marathon just out of courage, really. That thing. <laughs> I think it was tough. (laughs) And it was in a a San Francisco course. I'll tell you that. And then I really liked running. I wasn't intending to qualify for Boston, but based on some of my trainings on Strava, Ray, Ray, Ray said, Hey, you might be able, you're running pretty decent. You might be able to qualify for Boston. And then I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. I wasn't really thinking that it's possible, but then I started to get into it. And then that was my kind of guiding light. So then everything in my training was, okay, Boston, that's my time. I know I want to run a uh, 305 is the cutoff. I don't want to make any chances because it could be lower. I'm going to run a 259. Here's my splits. That was my goal is to run a 259. I was, I trained for running a 259 in Stockholm, Sweden, relatively somewhat flat course, but you got a couple of bridges that you had to cross over that add a little, add a little bit of challenge. So I ran there in Stockholm, Sweden in 2016. And then I, I ran a 259.23, which was right on the dot from my what I was wow. going for. So that was my first marathon was uh, in Stockholm. So and your it was first awesome.
3: marathon, you qualified for Boston. Is that right? Yeah. So you were training for both the distance and also the time?
1: Being in Europe, I like... I always have trouble with with Ray and Bree because I'm working now in kilometers because everybody here works in kilometers per hour or uh, kilometers per minute. So then I knew that based on my kilometer per minute time that I would end up at. I think it was four fifty nine twenty two, and then I landed. I landed at two fifty nine twenty three. I then I had a five That's minute. 30 plus seconds, a barrier to get into Boston. So I was, we were pretty sure after that race and Ray was the first one I talked to that, Hey, I, I think you got into Boston. And then it was like, oh wow.
3: Then it was a big part. Do you think you already had the speed and you were just like looking to add on the distance and the endurance?
1: I think I, I had the, not necessarily the speed, but I think I had the capacity. Even my soccer career, I was a runner playing soccer. One of my biggest skill sets was, of course, you can say technique or pass or whatever, but I had a large running capacity when I was playing soccer. So I was playing center midfield, running all over, up and back, and these kind of things. So I think that translated to even though that first marathon, my training wasn't as deep as it went to the next marathons, I think that natural capacity was there. Of course, I did train. I did train enough to get a 259. I think a lot of that was just a natural capacity base that we have in our family. That was a cool moment to get into Boston. And then it was like, okay, Ray's going to Boston. I'm going to Boston. Bree, are no. you going
4: to Boston? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bree's That's some pressure,
5: huh? <laughs> first, so <much>
4: pressure. <laughs> Bree's first marathon um, of all cities, San Francisco. Yeah.
2: I think Anthony qualified when I was still in college, I want to say, or like, maybe I just graduated or something, but I knew he was training. So there was this pressure. And I remember my last semester of college, they both were like, Anthony was soon to be qualifying. Like he was on the track and I was like, okay, well now it's like, I'm not going to be the only sibling left out. Like this Avalos gang, gang has got to stick together. So, um, so then I did this one half marathon cause I went to Boise state and I just signed up, me and my friend signed up for this half marathon. I was like, okay, if I could really do this, like run a really good time in this half marathon, I'm going to for sure sign up for like a boston qualifying marathon and then so i ran the half marathon i did really well <laughs> and then and then so i was like all right this is it like that was really fun this is i'm gonna do it what uh, was your time brie i don't remember my time in that half marathon only place though apparently it was the i forgot what it i wish i could look it up right now to tell you what the, this half marathon is called but it's famous so someone look it up at some point but it's like one of the hardest half marathons in like one of them in like the United States, because it's a straight up hill. There's this hill in Boise called the Gulch. And it's just like straight up. And so it was like, it's like one of the hardest half marathons, like dubbed one of the hardest half marathons in the world. So it definitely are in the nation. So it definitely wasn't for time, but definitely placed pretty well there. And then I signed up for San Francisco. I don't know why I thought San Francisco would be the best place to qualify. I think it was <laughs> the only Mer- Boston qualifying marathon close enough to the cutoff to actually like actually sign up. So I was like, Okay, it's gonna be San Francisco. And then I was training quite a bit, like basically post college that whole summer, I was like training, I did qualify at San Francisco marathon. And then the last couple miles, my first marathon, I have this like vivid memory, like, because San Francisco marathons really cool, because it starts at like 5am. Bertrand, I think you ran it that year. I
5: I did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: We stayed at your hotel as well, too. So you just like wake up at like 3.30 a.m. and like you're just crack of dawn and it starts at 5 a.m. is like the first wave and then you just go. And then it's beautiful because San Francisco, you've never seen it so quiet. You've never seen San Francisco as quiet as it was that like if you don't run San Francisco Marathon. So I was losing steam around like mile 18. And then I all of a sudden saw two of my friends pop up like as sidelines. And I was like, okay, this is giving me energy. Let's go. And then mile 20, it's like, it feels like you're at war because there are grown men crying like, almost dying on the mat. Your Like your ears are starting to ring. Like I don't know what's going on. Like there are people like, I don't know, going to the bathroom on themselves. It's like crazy. And then I just remember I'm like, ah and that was like the first mile 20, even to this day, even when my times are getting faster and faster, mile 20 to 26, I don't care who you are, that is like all mental. That is it. And so I was like running and then I think it was like close to the end, like mile 24 Something I just see Ray. All of a sudden, I hear Ray. Let's go, Bray. And I don't even know if he was allowed to do this, but he just hopped into the race, ran me like close to the finish, and then I finished and I qualified.
5: that's
4: great awesome story. yeah that oh, great. i love that love that family support they're getting out on the, on the, on the course bring her into the finish line <laughs> so, bottom line is ray
1: forced us to <laughs> <laughs> Ray's
4: always,
2: i do have to give ray credit he's always been our biggest cheerleader like he's always somebody who's like he's like our coach he'll like be like encouraging us pushing us all the time and it's always in this like just smiley way like hey i think you could do it <laughs>
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so qualified you know that you're in for the most part and race day itself or actually leading up to traveling out family the anticipation i'm um, going to the expo together that expo yeah. photo was fantastic
0: it was awesome i'll let you guys tell your little things too but i'll, I'll just start this one off so we're there we're like oh i'm like oh this is my brother and my sister my brother's coming from norway you know we haven't seen him for a while so we're just there it's awesome we feel like weather's perfect. So you could really enjoy Boston. The whole family came, my parents, my wife. I had one kid at the time, so Kalia, my daughter. My mother-in-law was there, my sister-in-law. I think my aunt was there as my Aunt Michelle. Yeah, it was a family affair. So it was a good time. There was just good vibes. Everything was awesome.
2: (laughs) Matching t-shirts.
0: Matching t-shirts. We were gonna rep too legit, but you know, we had to take it one step further with the Team Avalos custom gear. <laughs> like, uh, We're, in right, <laughs> now. We're <in> right now. We're right now. Yeah, so
4: get uh, that. You know how we do it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. I,
1: I mean, it was awesome being there. It was like really special because it was like we put in the work to get qualified and then everybody put in the work in training leading up to that. So just being there was more of a celebration. So it was like the the race and everything we did. Of course, we we're going to go the give it all in the race, but it was more of a celebration and the run. And Ray said this before, but Boston is one straight line to the finish. And the whole way is packed with people and it's just like this awesome thing where we're starting in different places and different waves. But we just all know we're running the same places and then we're just like trying our best and do, doing the thing together until you get to mile 20. Then it's every man for himself. Yeah. I thought it was really special. The family that was there, my wife was there. You can't recreate that experience. That was something we we could, we could try to do again. Uh, we have something coming up in... Uh, Chicago that we tried to do this year but we're we're gonna defer to do it next year we both we all qualified for Chicago so we're gonna try to give that a go but yeah the Boston experience was unlike any other
2: yeah Boston oh Boston is still my favorite marathon and I've run it once after all three of us ran it as well but that first time like with all of us being there and the entire family being there too it was awesome and especially like I just remember the night before the marathon, the competition between us <laughs> was insane. <laughs> and there were like family members picking sides on who was gonna, like, it was mostly Anthony and Ray cause they're in the same, you know, like age group, uh, like men bracket. And so they were just like, who's gonna win? Who's gonna win? And I was just like, I'm like, I'm going to keep to myself over here. Um, But it was, it was a really, really cool experience. And I think afterwards too, um, we all took pictures. Where's the, like the commons area. And I think the biggest memory I have is taking those photos afterwards together. And just like really like knowing that like we all accomplished it together and it was sick because that course is not easy. And Boston just in general, no matter what course I've ever run, Boston is just like something special because like every the course is just lined with a crowd of 10 people. And like, it just keeps on going and going and you just see so many different, like you see the university and like, you see just every, every type of people that live in Boston come out. And it's just like, it's amazing. You could never not feel energy on that course because there are just so many people in the crowd giving you so much energy. And so it just like pushes you forward.
1: And it's a humbling course as well. It's not a typical course. There, <laughs> yeah. there it
3: is. Yeah, there they are. We'll put look the picture online. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. We look good there. <laughs> <laughs> I won, by the way, just so. That, that, that's what, <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask. I Who
2: won? To <laughs> oh,
5: okay. yeah, tell us. <laughs>
2: I really quickly give myself a not so humble brag. They yeah. may have one time wise, but who was the fastest person as far as like group, like yeah. Yeah. bracket? Yeah, yeah.
0: I, think, I think I was top 500, Brie was top 200. Wow, wow. Yeah. Um, not to mention, I will do another brag for my sister. So in 2018, uh, me and Brie ran it again and it was a torrential downpour. Oh. 30, 40 mile an hour wins. Top elites were running, you know, 15, 20 minutes off their times. Top elites were dropping out of the race. Everybody was, you know, running 15, 20 minutes slower. Bree PR'd with a 301. Wow. Wow. Um, I ran a 249. And I mean, on a good day, I felt like I would have been a sub 240 that day. And that's just Uh, me mentally. Who knows what happens? But Bree runs a PR 301 in freaking i can't even yeah, explain this horrific weather.
4: conditions
0: by far yeah. the worst running weather i've
2: ever ran my mouth kept chattering when i crossed the finish line it's like your body goes into this weird like survivor mode when you're racing and the second i crossed the finish line my body went into this like weird like my jaws couldn't stop sh- wouldn't stop shattering and my lips were purple and i had to like find warmth right away or else i would have like I don't know what would happen,
1: but right. it was bad. <laughs> Is that that was the year I remember watching on TV? That's when Des Linden won the yeah. win. That's yeah, it. she did. That was the 5K beforehand. We did it as like kind of a shakeout, but we not to take away from my mom's tenacity. But she ran the 5K before, and she PR'd it in oh. the fi, that 5K. And we pushed her and we all were just get, we were in her ear the whole time. And she was just total focus mode, a little bit math, but she was getting after it on the 5k <laughs> PR the 5k. Was it the two days before the race? Yeah. Yeah. Two days. Yeah. yeah it's a sat- it? that Saturday. It's that Saturday.
0: before There's there, a
5: yeah.
4: conversation between the siblings tackling some more marathon majors. I mean, Anthony and Brie, you guys have run internationally together. did you do Berlin? Yeah. Um, And potentially uh, completing the World Marathon majors on the bucket list for you guys as a trio?
1: Bree's leading. I have two. Bree has three. Yeah, I definitely want to do the whole all six. So that's been my big thing. After Boston, I ran in Spain, which was not a major, in San Sebastian, Spain. I actually recommend that race. It's in San Sebastian, uh, Donostia. It's on the coast of... uh, of spain a beautiful course fast course it's a food city of the world great place to visit as well it's in november time frame but usually the weather is quite nice so i ran that after boston and then me and brie ran in berlin in 2018 yeah yeah and we ran in berlin actually that was a lot of fun repping too legit of course after stockholm i always rep too legit and i'll keep doing it every every race
4: thank you Thank you, thank you. That race, I believe, the men's world world uh, marathon record was set as well.
2: So I crossed the finish line. I was bummed. I wanted a PR again. I was really like close, but didn't do it. But oh, I look
4: at that uh, bling.
2: Yeah. I crossed Excellent. the finish line and all the volunteers all the volunteers, on a cardboard paper. So you would cross the finish line and every single volunteer had his time up. What was it? I think it was like... 201-49
1: um, uh, or something wow. like that. Every wow. single
2: volunteer on a cardboard paper. So they got like Sharpie and just like put it on a cardboard thing. Every single volunteer had the time up. And so like everybody knew right away when they saw 201, they knew that the world record was set. And so it was this really cool feeling. To like like see when you cross the finish line, you're like, wow, I just ran the same course. Right. Yeah, yeah you
1: were just just right behind him. Yeah.
4: <laughs> 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 it was the case uh, last year when some of us ran in Chicago, the women's uh, world record was was set as well. Yeah. And yeah. Kip going head to head on October 4th, London. So it's going to be the marathon of all marathons, right, against Kaylee. Yeah.
1: Uh, London's on my on my list, yeah. One thing to see that just the, the power of Kipchoge in Berlin City, the days before the race, uh, a great course, by the way, super fast. There's there's things I, I want to do it again. And I learned from that. I, we, I, we did pretty good that course. So Bree did awesome. I did my second best time. I, I got to throw it out since Ray threw out his, and he said he won Boston, but I have the bet. My PR was in Spain of 244. And then I ran a 245 in uh, in Berlin. But I think I could have ran faster in Berlin. I was going for a 240, under sub 240. And I think I went out too hot. Whereas if I went for like 242-ish, I think I maybe would have landed. But that's a topic for another <laughs> day
4: but see, the but, seeds but, are being planted right now. I can see the, yeah. <laughs> him,
5: the brother
4: changing him. right now. <laughs> <laughs> the gauntlet's just been tossed. Out. 2021. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to Chicago see that. goes go down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch out for brief. My money's on brief. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I, I would, I would I
2: would have, what I have in my favor is my age. I haven't even peeked yet, so watch
4: out. I'm gonna I'm, I'm crying. Hey, we talked about and I've had conversations with Ray, you know, could and it was this a couple of years ago. Could we see Bree in Tokyo in the Tokyo <laughs> Olympics? There was serious conversation about that. Yeah. So no, I'm
0: I'm not joking if Bree really? you're a happy go lucky Bree's the type of person that runs without a running watch. She just does it for the love. She was on Strava for a little bit, but she says, you know what, I'm not even run without a watch because I just love it so much. But from a talent level and just a brother looking in, she's super talented, where if she got some focused training, focused everything, what it takes to be a pro, she could easily, in my opinion, I think she could, I think she could have a shot. That's it. That's just brother talking, but, but, but that's I what it believe it. I'm
2: gonna have to do it because Ray. Ray put it <laughs> yeah, now Ray put
0: the picture. That's how it.
2: <laughs> no
4: pressure. Yeah, yeah. Like only a handful of people know. I was, it, was a, a soccer podcast.
2: player. <laughs> I was a dancer. What are you doing?
4: Hey, a mom PR at uh, 5K in Boston as well. You know, yeah. marathon, half marathon, ultra yeah. marathon. 50K, yeah, uh, yep, yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 But now she's all over the trails. I respect everybody who does trails. I know a lot of people are running trail races and doing fantastic at it. I would like to hear also somebody's perspective on it because I ran run one trail race and it wasn't even a crazy 50K or it was 31K. And that thing, I already ran a few marathons and I thought I was just going to get after it. Not even with pace, but I thought I was going to survive. that. I did not survive. I ended up walking like 30% of the course. Is that the one? No. You trail. It was it was in Oslo, the hills of Oslo. So it's quite steep uh, nature, be a beautiful course, but just trail running is a whole different. Uh, it's a whole different animal.
4: Different look at Big Bro back there, just sitting back, sipping on a beer, like, oh yeah, I got this right here. <laughs> I've done Quicksilver hundred K. Yeah. You
5: know? can see yes. <laughs>
4: Looking to do a hundred miler at some point. Looking to do yeah. uh, Western States, the Super Bowl of all ultra marathons. And if, if that's something you guys all want to do, I'm sure that that's possible as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So
2: Ray hasn't put the thought in her head yet, so yeah. we're not there.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Still on <my> flat courses. <laughs> I'm trying to put an unbeatable time up. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Leave it to Coach B to, to <laughs> plant the seeds in there to say, "Oh, there's there's a little instigator. bit more." Instigator. I think we yeah, can now but, we know we the
1: instigator. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> we don't want to take up a ton of time, but I did want to ask, what has been your favorite race? And maybe we can go quickly around the room. Which race would you recommend to others? And what has been your personal favorite race?
0: Definitely Boston by far. <laughs> but for anybody getting into it, anybody especially and in- California or the Bay Area region, Um, I'd say Oakland Running Festival. I just love the energy in Oakland. I love Lake Merritt. Everybody just, the support of the town is just, you feel the town vibe. And I I just love the culture there. And, you know, they put on a really good event. Firefighters are there serving beer after, and, you know, people are just giving out tickets. So you may leave a little drunk, make sure to have either an Uber or a (laughs) designated driver. uh, They have the DJs out there. They have really good music. Artsy, just super fan of, yeah, of Oakland for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have to say Boston is going to be always the special place for us, but not only because of what Boston is, but but the experience we had. And then I would say the Spain one that I mentioned in, in San Sebastian, uh, Spain, if anybody ever gets the chance to travel, it's not like a big major race where you have all these sponsors and everything all perfectly set up, but just the being in a Spanish town on the coast, just the beauty of that and being one with the race and running by the sea, beautiful, beautiful things. The people are screaming at you. There's a word they say like "animo, animo" in <laughs> Spanish, which is like deep, deep or something. Yeah. And then that, that was it really got me going at the end. So it's just a, this unique kind of experience. So that one was a special experience for me just because everything that surrounds the race and what the city is.
3: What time of year is that one at?
1: It's in November. So if you ever could uh, sneak out on a long weekend or five, six day trip out to Spain, I would say you fly into Bilbao, Spain, and then it's about an hour bus ride to the coast. And then, or if you rent a car and then you're there and then you're on the coast, then it's very good with food and drink if you're around the race and the days after. So yeah, definitely that one.
4: Anthony, real quick question before we go to Bree. What's the state of running timed events in Europe right now? Uh, much like the states, everything postponed, or are there some areas that you might be aware of that are actually running um, with less cases of COVID compared to what's going on here in the states?
1: Yeah, I mean, they started to loosen up a little bit with putting on some races, but then due to some a lot of the travel during the summer, the, everything's been picking up again with COVID. So it's pretty strict. I mean, it's hard to find a race. There are races going on, but they're pretty similar to what's happening in the U.S. where it's... Uh, People are being creative about doing virtual running events and these kind of things. Sure. So so nothing major. I know there's a few, but nothing, it's not the same. So we're still seeing the lack of races, which is tough to stay motivated, but we got to stay out there and keep, keep moving. So.
4: All right. Thank you. Bree.
2: Favorite races. Boston for sure. Boston is just one, even if I'm not racing in it. So I've raced in it twice, but even when I'm not racing, I go, I've gone twice to just watch it. Like I go and just like experience Boston. And that was a whole new experience is going to just be a spectator. And like cheer on, you know, fellow, because I'm also a member of the Wolf Pack with Ray. And so there's a lot of those members who race it every single year. And so just going and supporting them, just Boston is just something really special. Like you watch, especially the documentary before about, you know, the Boston bombing, and then you go and actually experience it. And people who are actually like a part of the bombing who still run it every year. And like you experience that and it's just like something special. Other than that, personally, my favorite race that I ever ran, like other than Boston was actually the San Francisco rock and roll half marathon. Mm. That was something it was like hills galore that course it's like, they purposely map out where the hills are in San Francisco and that's how they're going to do it. But, um, (laughs) the course is just like beautiful. Again, I think it's just like San Francisco regulations. It starts like really early. I think when I ran it too, I like almost, cause I was living in San Francisco, um, at the time and I almost missed the start because I like slept in, but thank God I was like <laughs> really close to where the start was. So I just like ran to the start because no oh. Ubers were there. Um, so I ran to the start and like got there and then it was just like, that was so fun. Ray, I think you ran it and my dad ran it that time too, as well, but that was a special one.
3: Let me, I guess, ask you this question too, which is aside from amazing genes and, you know, being soccer players growing up, I guess for the rest of folks who are interested in qualifying for Boston or, you know, kind of starting to get into running, seeing times that are kind of getting close to it and whatnot, what would be your tips? What would be your suggestions? How do you think people can increase their speed? What tips do you guys have as Boston qualifiers?
0: I would say uh, cross-training is huge. So just being mindful of your core, of course. I always like to think of it as somebody told me hips and shoulders, hips and shoulders, which that just means keep those parallel, everything in between, whether you're running, whether you're balancing, whether you're moving sideways, forward, diagonal, keep mindful of your hips and shoulders. And at the same time, make sure that you're strengthening those muscles as well. So, you know, I do a lot of side leg raises, a lot of clamshells, so with resistance bands. So, you know, I'd say those simple little things, there's no rocket science to it. It's just more the little things that helps. And I just say, but definitely if you focus on the hips and shoulders, that core will, you know, will always be there. If if you're mindful of of, of your hips and shoulders.
1: I would say find out the time that whatever your age group is or, to make it and find that time and work backwards and then train for that time of course you're not going to be there on day one but train for that time and inch your way towards that time because i think that's how we achieve our goals a lot of these things are mental when we set these blockers like i never would have thought i would be running a marathon until ray started printing printing these images in my head and then and then it becomes possible and then you set new goals so i would just say find the time you want to do the qualifying time subtract a few minutes Subtract five minutes, work towards that time and then find some good techniques. The the 8021 has really given me big jumps in my my time. So look into that.
2: Advice I one of my like small joys, it's almost like I'm a mini-ray, but what I do is like I always try and like peer pressure my friends to get into running and people who maybe have never really gotten into running before. But what I always say, especially like say even for like a newer runner in somebody who wants like to do marathons, half marathons, like a higher distance is like, it's almost like an 80-20 rule, but it's my rule of thumb. It's like, it doesn't matter your pace at first. It matters how far you go. So like, if you start at three miles, don't even look at the time. And then from there, you're going to be able to do four miles then five miles then six miles. And then all of a sudden, if you're consistently doing six miles, your time is just going to start slowly getting faster and faster and faster. So that's what like, I think if you're a newer runner, I would say nobody's racing with you. It's all about just like getting the distance in. And then for people who are, I guess, maybe a bit more advanced, I think I would say like, kind of like what Anthony said, reverse engineer it. But then also just like, for me, it's all about the distance. And then also about one thing that I learned in college is like, it's called general strength, and not necessarily not as much weightlifting but just like general strength training every single day. So it's not like you have to have this like big, like weightlifting cross training day, but it's if you could do a 20 minute, like general strength workout, where you're just working all the small little muscles in your body and rolling out every other day, then your body's going to thank you when you're running your marathon. <laughs>
3: advice. Great advice. Great advice. Where can people find you online if they want to reach out to you?
1: Yeah. Instagram for me, it's, it's Instagram is my Anthony Avalos with nothing else on Instagram is usually where you'll find my soccer and running pictures have turned into a lot of pictures of my daughter. So uh, that that's where you can find me.
2: Mine is a uh, Bravolos which is B R and then Avalos. It was also fun fact. Bravelos was my rapper name in college. <laughs> 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 I thought I was Nick for a second. So Bravolos on Instagram.
3: Oh man, we're gonna have to dig up some videos or something, some audio. <laughs> <laughs> sound, Stick that in
1: yourself. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> when i started going into like job market i made sure
0: all of that was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, uh, and then i'm just pretty simple ray running uh instagram so just ray running
3: awesome we'll have them up online with the show notes and everything and i'm sure we'll we'll tag you guys as well when stuff comes up anything else that you guys wanted to to mention or anything that we didn't cover
0: I, no i, I mean
2: I would just say one last thing. Any tip is like, for me, running is all about the joy of it. So if you fall in love with the process of just like being out there with nature or with friends, you're going to push yourself so much farther than you thought you could go.
0: I'll layer on that. I'd say just have an optimistic mindset. That'll take you a long way, especially in the fitness world and just life in general, but definitely in fitness and running, be optimistic. And, you know, there's always room to achieve a little bit. Yeah.
5: Yeah.
1: I have this all things parallel. So when you're pushing yourself, running, keeping yourself fit, your mental is strong. You're also good. It's going to translate to other areas uh, of your life. And as Black Mamba, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant said, uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. Uh, Be the same animal or are you the same animal and the same beast? So I think uh, running gives you that opportunity to uh, really learn about yourself and translate a lot of what you do into other areas of your life. So that's what I would say. And, and I also appreciate you guys for having us today. It's, it's been a great conversation. and
3: Definitely. It's yeah, been fantastic. It's been yeah. fantastic. Yeah, our pleasure. So thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. Really, really appreciate the time, the conversation. And this has been awesome. So thank you guys. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Race Mob Podcast. Check out all of the show notes or find a running buddy online at racemob.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review. Until next time, keep on moving.